0: Hello, hello, this is episode 13 of the show, the one where Moose and I continue our discussion about the different ways men and women are taught or influenced to think about sex and its dynamics in our relationships. We're not getting graphic in this episode, but just because of the nature of the subject, we again caution you to listen to it when you're alone or while wearing earbuds. If you've got a teenager in your household, we would encourage you to listen to the episode first and consider any valuable takeaways you might want to use to engage in some dialogue with him or her. Come on, let's dive back in. Hey, hey, welcome to The Eva Show. I'm Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm on a mission to help you acknowledge your worth, reclaim your power, and find your voice in this noisy world. If you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just wanna be reminded that it's A-OK to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. You ready to ditch expectations other people have put on you and rise to become who you've always wanted to be? Let's go. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host and life coach, Eva Miller. I am joined once again by my husband, Moose, and we are picking up where we left off in episode 12. We're exploring ideas, thoughts, and beliefs around sex. And we're not here to tell you what to think. We're here to help you become aware of how you think and why. We all need to become observers of our thoughts because consistent thoughts become beliefs. And before we can accept our beliefs, we have to know what they are. To give you a little recap of the last episode, we talked about the ideas and beliefs we have around and about sex. And we asked if you'd ever considered when and where it started, who invented it, and what we might think about it if we had never viewed it through someone else's lens first. And we explored some of the ways we've been influenced to think about sex, because we know that nobody reached adulthood without feeling some kind of way about it, whether that way was taught intentionally or caught randomly from TV shows or movies or through conversations with other people. And we said that we believe there are five areas that we should explore because they directly affect our behaviors toward this particular part of our lives. The first area was that of our expectations. We all have expectations, and sometimes we're not even aware of them, but expectations that are unmet are usually the places where we get tripped up. And we asked if you knew or had ever asked what your partner's expectations were, because how can you know if you're meeting them if you don't even know what they are? And we encouraged you to be brave enough to have a conversation about it. And then we talked about the second area, which is the idea of sex being used as a reward or punishment. We shared some examples of the ways we've seen that play out, and we explored the idea that giving sex as a reward or withholding it as punishment is manipulation. And we discussed the importance of treating your partner with dignity and respect and being careful not to degrade or to belittle him or her.
1: Okay, so now let's move on into area three. For the ease and the convenience of this discussion, we'll continue to use typical gender stereotypes that we see portrayed. We also need to understand that feelings, especially our feelings surrounding something as powerful as sex, aren't necessarily gender specific. And anyone can feel any
0: type of way. Number three on the list is using sex as a weapon. I heard a saying a long time ago, and it goes like this Women use sex to get love. And men use love to get sex. Oh, that's good. Unfortunately, it might be true in some situations, but it shouldn't be. And just
1: because something is
0: normal doesn't mean that it's okay. This idea of
1: using sex as a weapon is kind of a piggyback on what we discussed earlier about using sex as a reward or punishment. So how are they different? Could it be it's,
0: it's the motivation that's behind them that makes them different? Yeah, I think it is. Using sex as a reward or a punishment has a a power or a control feel to it because you're trying to change the other person's behavior. And sometimes there's anger attached to that. You know, like when a woman says, well, I'm not putting out until he helps me around the house more.
1: Or, you know, it could also be, she gave me some last night, so I'll load the dishwasher tonight.
0: Being manipulative by using sex to get something you want Or using love to get sex. I think it stems from a place of fear, honestly. It has a a desperate feel to it, an insecurity that lies underneath. Why not just be honest about what it is you want? I mean, it might sound weird to say I'm just looking for sex, but I think, uh, you know, if you're looking for a relationship, I think people appreciate honesty wherever it is that you stand. And maybe that comes from a place of scarcity. Maybe because you think, you don't think you can be honest about what you want to say, but it continues to feed feelings of desperation and insecurity when you hide behind something.
1: Ultimately, we're left feeling sometimes cheap, maybe guilty, because deep down, you know that you lack integrity in an area
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it leaves you feeling insecure because you're afraid you're
0: not fully wanted by the other person. Right. Nobody wants to feel like, you know, oh, he settled for me mm-hmm. as much as we may want something. A woman is not going to be secure in the relationship if she's always wondering if he only enjoys sex with her and doesn't think highly of her in any other way. Yeah. He thinks I'm a 10 in bed, but he thinks I'm going to be a lousy mom or a lazy life partner who has no goals. Like that's not going to feel good.
1: No. And lots of men pretend, you know, because what you said earlier that love women want love, you know? Yeah. For sex. So a lot of men pretend to care about the girl Mm -hmm. just so that they can have sex with her. They pretend to fulfill her desire for that love when what they're really doing is they just want to get in their pants. Yeah. And later on in life, when they reflect back on, you know, the past mistakes that they've made, a lot of times they're going to feel remorse or guilt for using somebody in that way just to get what they wanted.
0: Right. And nobody wants to feel tolerated. Everybody wants to feel celebrated. And this applies, I think, to every area of our lives, but especially when it comes to this one with our partners.
1: And realistically, if you have to use tactics to get what you want, how can you be assured that the other person is really giving you their true feelings because you were cheap? You were using something just to get what you wanted. So how is that really a true feeling?
0: Right a lot of times i think we end up with someone who is opposite of us in many ways you know sometimes one of you is a morning person and the other is a night owl or well, maybe one's really neat and organized
1: and the other is kind of a slob and always looking
0: for where they're where they left their keys moose <laughs> you're not a slob but you, you I did do lose my keys a lot <laughs> yeah. i did it today wow that's oh, i locked them in my office i keep telling you if you put them back in the same place every time <laughs> But if you're going to lock them in the office, I can't help you with that. So when it comes to our sex drives, once the newness of the physical relationship wears off, a lot of times I think we find that we're opposites in that area too. We have a lot of factors that affect our sex drive. And speaking from a woman's perspective, we know that childbearing, monthly hormonal changes, and just the stress that we hold in our body affects us. But if it feels like he wants sex 24/7 and you want it 724, that's 7 seconds out of every 24 days by the way. It <laughs> might, it might be tempting to try to make it seem like his desire is like a bad thing or a weird thing or to act like maybe there's something wrong with him so that you can take the focus off of you. But just because your dominant your desire diminishes or even completely disappears doesn't make it okay to act like something is wrong with someone else's normal, healthy desire. And some women act like their partner's desire is bad or dirty or something he should be ashamed of. And I think we need to be really careful that that doesn't get twisted around just to make us feel better about ourselves. If you don't have a desire for sex, figure out why. If it's because of something physical, see your doctor. And if it's because of something emotional, Talk about it and figure out how you guys can work on it together.
1: And speaking from the man's perspective, because you know I are one, um, we have a lot of stressors as well. We like work stressors. Am I doing good enough at work? Am I enough at home? Am I bringing in enough money? Am I doing all the things that I need to do? Am I a good partner? So all these stressors just play in on our minds, and it's all weighs heavily on us. And Sometimes we come home, we got all the stress, we just want a physical release. And that's all we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we don't talk about as men, but we can lose interest in sex too.
0: What? For real? Just
1: just like women do. And it's it's not that we don't find our partner desirable. It's just that we have lost the desire for us because of all the stresses we have in life. You know, it's just...
0: Everything going on. Everything. It? Yeah. It mm-hmm. just
1: affects us in so many different ways. And a lot of times it causes us to withdraw emotionally, especially when we get tired.
0: So, yeah, that's true. So, we really need to put our weapons down and just start talking. We have to learn to fight fair. We've got to figure out what the root issue is and work on it. You know, and
1: you might even need to go see a therapist. And yep. if that's something you feel like you need to do, then by all means, reach out for help. Yes. Because if you don't, then you're never going to get better.
0: And your relationship is worth the work.
1: Yes, it is. Okay. And now we'd like to go into the next area, which is body image.
0: Yep. So before I could accept my body, I had to unlearn how to dislike it. And the struggle is real. You know, some of us, we were told by our moms and dads when we were little that we're beautiful. And then we heard them express dissatisfaction with their own body. We heard comments being made about someone else's body. We heard our dads talk about the women on TV and their body shape and size. And we got the message that our bodies actually aren't good enough. We learned to dislike our body at a very early age because more is caught than taught. You know, commercials tell us we need flatter stomachs, six-pack abs longer eyelashes, bigger muscles, whiter teeth, no gray hair, thicker hair, no blemishes, less cellulite, no wrinkles, big full lips, hair in some places, but not in other places. And the list goes on and on. And in our society, we are so terrified of hair on a woman's body that women in commercials are shaving legs that don't even have hair on them. Look, If you're trying to impress me, this is for all commercial makers, if you're trying to impress me with your razor's capabilities, I want to see you shave a Yeti or an alpaca or something. Like, really show me what your razor does. (laughs) (laughs) I never appreciated or truly loved my body. I have liked parts of it. Me too. (laughs) While hating other parts of it. Not me. It was always not enough. Or it was too much. It was never Goldilocks. It was never just right the way it was. But two babies grew inside me, and they left marks that can still be seen long after they exited. And some parts, well, some didn't function the same way after I gave birth. But other parts rebounded just fine.
1: Yeah, they did.
0: (laughs) Yet despite (laughs) all of that, my body has shown me over and over again that it's strong and it's resilient and capable of doing incredible things. And all these years, pounds and laugh lines later, my body still shows up. It still supports me. It's still thriving and helping me to make memories. I'm still using it to make an impact on the world. And I'm still living life to the fullest. You know, thankful to my activators for that assist.
1: You know, men, we struggle with body image too. I mean, if you think about it, girls as they're growing up, you know, they get these little baby dolls and they look like babies and everything's cute and cuddly and adorable and all this kind of stuff. But as they get older, they start playing with different dolls like Barbie and all the accessories. And then with Barbie comes Ken. Ken has strong muscular legs, a flat stomach, six-pack abs, a good-sized chest, biceps, chiseled jawline, so girls start playing with dolls like that and they get in their head. This is what a guy is supposed to look like. And we notice that too, because now we think, well, this is what they like. So we have to look this way. Mm-hmm. And then it's just reinforced as we get older. Because you look at TV, you know, you got wrestlers with big buff bodies. You've got athletes that are muscled and flat stomachs and just toned and just really look good. And the women are noticing these guys and like, ooh, that looks good. So you're thinking, I have to look that way. Or I'm not going to get the attention of a girl. And TV shows the same way, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Most of them look really good. Or, you know, they've got the, nowadays it's the sexy dad bod. But I don't really get that either, but that's okay. (laughs) And it's teaching us and it's reinforcing all those beliefs that we have that we have to look a certain way. But it's not just the athletes. If you really think about it, a lot of girls are attracted to the athletes, yeah, because they look good. But they're also attracted to TV stars that may not look so good, but musicians. Now, have you ever really looked at some of these musicians that the girls fawn over?
0: <laughs> they are
1: not good looking. Some of them are not. <laughs> Keith Richards.
0: Not a good looking man. Yeah, I don't get that. But he's got girls. Mm-hmm.
1: Gene Simmons. Not a good looking man. But he brags about the thousands of girls that he slept with throughout his life. Right. And why is that? Because... They may not look like the, you know, the well-muscled guys, but they've got a talent. They're up on a stage and singing, they've got money, and all of that is also drawn. So we grow up thinking, well, if I can't look like The Rock, then I ne- I need to be able to rock. Yeah. But, you know, so you got athletes, buff guys, and
0: even ugly musicians get a ton of women. Unlearning bad beliefs about your body image isn't easy and it doesn't come swiftly. But it is time for us to love the amazing temple that we've been given and not to take it for granted.
1: And now we will go into the, the final area, and that's dealing with our affections.
0: I joyfully forsake all other claims to my affections. And those words were part of our wedding vows. I'm honestly not sure how much of a grasp we actually had on that particular line. I mean... Yeah. We got the gist of it, right? Yeah, I mean, we it, was, did. it was
1: pretty words and it sounded good. and it yes. flowed well.
0: And and I understood that it what it meant, mm-hmm. but I don't. Neither one of us had ever really given a lot of thought to what a claim, what our affection, what that meant, and what a claim to it meant. Yeah. And you know, we've learned a few things through the years, and so we've come to understand some stuff. And claims to my affection is one of those. The word claim actually means to demand a recognition of a right as in someone other than your partner demanding some kind of right to your affection saying those words in our wedding vows meant previous claims to our affections were made null and void but what does it even mean and what does a claim to your affection look like well it might look like a colleague who divulges a little too much personal information about his or her relationship Oh, my wife doesn't understand me. My boyfriend's such a jerk. It might look like a colleague who, you know, comes around behind your chair and rubs your shoulders because you seem stressed. Maybe it looks like the colleague who's chatty and friendly and offers to take you to lunch because you're having a bad day. It might look like a coworker who goes beyond professionalism at the workplace, maybe giving you a little more attention than they should or wants more of your emotional attention than is appropriate. You know, there's always a coworker who will intentionally do obvious things to get you to notice their body, but claims to your affection might also be a parent. Yeah. Who thinks they should still have a prominent place in your life over that of your partner. Yes,
1: or it could also be um, your partner placing your children Mm -hmm. above the other person Mm -hmm. so the the children have a claim to the affection instead of you know putting the two of you first to build the foundation so that it can just be a stronger relationship
0: you know there's an old saying we heard it when our boys were growing up a son is a son till he takes a wife a daughter's a daughter all of her life and we've never been the of the belief that the kids come first Mm-hmm. I love my children dearly, but they don't come before my husband. And we love our parents. Mm-hmm. But when we got married, we started a whole new thing. Right. That was us. And mommies don't get first place anymore.
1: Right. Even if they demand it. Mm-hmm. And yep. we We had instances
0: of that. We're not the only ones. It's a problem for a lot of people. But. Maybe having a conversation with your partner about claims to your affection with a parent or a child or whatever is necessary. Mm -hmm. So again, have the courage to have a conversation about that.
1: Yeah. And and there's another area that we feel very strongly draws affection away from your partner. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk about this topic. So let's talk about porn. Yep. Yep. You heard it, porn. It's a very hot button topic and a lot of people shy away from it, but we think it's important and it needs to be discussed and considered.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, things like porn, strip clubs, looking at girls at the beach, the supermarket, the mall, just drawing your attention away from where it should be. And
0: if a man's honest, he'll say that's exactly what's happening. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. If he's honest, and that's the key. If the man's honest, they are Their attention is drawn away. Yeah. Their affection is drawn away. Because while the man may not do anything about what he's looking at, his eyeball is still looking at other things. His attention, his affection is still diverted away from their partner. Yeah. And what do you think porn is teaching the viewers? Is it a realistic expectation in their relationship? Could it possibly encourage the viewer to be selfish in bed? Does it make you think that the other person is the object to fulfill your own desires? Or someone you want to connect with on a deeper level? Do you think it fosters intimacy? Do you think that if you watch it together, it fosters intimacy? And if you say yes to that, who do you end up thinking about while you and your partner are having sex? Are you thinking about your partner? Are you thinking about what you just saw or who you just saw in front of you? Because I would argue that it doesn't lead to intimacy, but rather to fantasy. And then it brings up another question. Do you think it's okay to have a fantasy? And at what point does that fantasy become a problem?
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say it right now. I don't care how enlightened a woman claims to be. I am calling BS on the women who say, uh, I don't mind if my husband looks at the menu as long as he eats at home. Because I don't know of a single woman who's actually okay with the idea of her husband getting physically excited while he's looking at other women.
1: Yeah, I would think it would lead to questions of when they're being intimate, was well, he thinking about me? Was right. he thinking about somebody else? Sure.
0: So I don't think anybody wakes up and says to themselves. I think I'll have an affair today. And if you've ever behaved in a way when your partner wasn't around that you wouldn't have behaved when they were. It doesn't mean you're going to have an affair. And
1: We're also not saying that if you watch porn, you'll end up having an affair.
0: Right. What we are saying is that you should consider whether these things are claiming your affection on some level. And if they are, what action needs to be taken next? It starts slowly, this giving away of your affection, slowly and quietly. It creeps up like a ninja and you have to stay alert and you've got to put some boundaries or hedges in place so that when something comes up, you don't have to wonder what you're supposed to do or how to handle it.
1: Yeah, You need to put things in place that hold the test of time. Like we have an agreement that we made years ago that neither one of us will go to lunch or ride in a vehicle with a person of the opposite sex unless that other person's spouse is there or it's in a group situation and there are sometimes there's a you know a special circumstance that may override that but if there's usually a phone call involved prior to say hey this is what's going on this person mm-hmm. needs a ride mm-hmm. i'm the only one here they've got an appointment and i need to help them get to that appointment yep. whatever but,
0: it is it's the idea mm-hmm. of no surprises yes mm-hmm And just the fact that we had that policy in place, it immediately provided a certain level of accountability in the relationship. Yes. I would ask you, have you ever thought about the claims to your affection? And have you ever considered ways you can put a hedge of protection around your relationship? All right. That wraps up all five specific areas that we wanted to encourage you to think about and consider about your beliefs and thoughts around the subject of sex. So once again,
1: we talked about your expectations. <laughs> also about using sex as a reward or a punishment, using sex as a weapon, our body image, and our affection.
0: We've shared some of our thoughts and beliefs and some questions with you, but we would really love to hear any feedback you would care to share with us. So if you want to, send me an email at eva at fractured 2 fabulous. Dot com. So before we go, Moose, how can people connect with you? They
1: can connect with me on Instagram at Brian Moose Miller.
0: Very good. All right. That's it for us this time. See you next week. Peace out. Okay, girlfriend, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at i Miller. Thanks for being here. Talk to you soon.